Yep. Yep. Hit the 15 second mark. What you gonna do now, podcast fascists? That's right. Longer than 10 seconds that intro was. Uh, it's because we love Grizz and we love the Motor City and we love Good Times Roll, our a very special theme song on this, the Red Bulletin Podcast. I'm Andreas Georges. I'm joined by the delightful, the lovely T. Rizza, our producer, who wasn't here for the interview that you're about to hear. But you know what? Um, she's got another job and uh, she's, uh, you know, she's a responsible young lady and uh, does this on her own time, apparently, and when it suits her. So, but we're not gonna re- we're not resentful. Um, no, first name and I aren't resentful. Uh, he's always there. He's my old reliable. He's the first name in podcasting. Our engineer, first name James. In this podcast, well, like in most of our podcasts, we're talking to top performers in the worlds of adventure, sports, culture, music, and we're trying to understand what hurdles they overcame and the secrets that made them better. Today, we've got an Olympic medalist, Miles Chamley Watson. He won a bronze with Team USA in fencing in the Rio Games this past August. He fancies himself the new face of fencing, fencing one of the oldest sport, the sport of kings, as they refer to it. Miles Chamley Watson is a strapping six foot four. He's covered in tattoos. He's got bleach blonde hair. He's not, in other words, what you would associate with your typical fencer. He's got a unique style about him as well. And we're not just talking about the times that he moonlights on catwalks during fashion weeks in Paris and London and New York. In this podcast, we talk to him about his journey to Olympic success, uh, his difficulty controlling his emotions on the strip. That's what it's called, by the way. It's not a court. It's not a pitch. They fence on a strip. And uh, we talked to him about having the confidence to rebound when things aren't going well. And he also shed some light into his cold-blooded plan to take fencing into the mainstream. Hope you enjoy it. Let's start the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank Thanks you. for being our fourth guest, uh, uh, which is great. You were preceded by a wingsuit flyer, uh, a video game champ from Compton. Super interesting. Whoa. And the 2014-2015 uh, memory champion. Like suits, we're talking? Like like can memorize a deck of cards and and uh, and then and then spit it back out in like twenty seconds or less, kind of a thing. That is ridiculous. Is ridiculous. But the thing is like we all have that ability. We just don't harness it. You have to think in pictures. Anyway, listen to it. Episode three. Well, um, <laughs> Miles Chamley Watson, double barrel name. Yes, it's a British we, thing. I think it's a British thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, you were born in London, then? Yes, born in London. Moved to New York around nine and a half years old. Why? My mom uh, met my stepdad, pretty my dad, um, and like you know what? We've been dating each other for four years. Like let's let's go to New York because he was an investment banker, so it's kind of where his next step was. Right. And uh, she's like, all right, kids, packing up, we're going. I was like, no, I don't want to move. You were how old, seven? I was eight. Eight. Yeah, and I was like, man. That's tough. Yeah, I was like, this sucks. All my friends are here. I got to leave to go to New York, Um, pack my bags, took took my one toy, and we were gone. Did you know what New York was going to be like? Had you been there previous? Never. I know anything about New York City. I just knew Europe. I didn't, the first time I've ever been to America was when, when we went to New York. Wow. Yeah. How difficult an adjustment was that? It was a huge adjustment. Um, more or less like your friends. Like you have like, I had like six of my best friends. We hung out every day. And um, you go to New York City and you have none. So I think that was kind of 
the first new thing. And then I was thrown into public school. Um, I had this accent. Every woman loved it. Every teacher loved it. But every kid was like, oh, you know, kid sounds like an idiot. Like, you know, I was like, shut up. I'll bet you I thought it, you know? Yeah. And uh, so it's kind of what I had to get used to. Um, but, you know, I'm pretty social. I think I was able to find friends pretty easily. Right. But um, just being thrown into something unknown at such a young age is kind of new. It was new for me. Did you? I, I came over here when I was six years old. So I was like a couple of years younger. And I think those years make all the difference because yeah. although it was probably a massive adjustment, I had the British accent as well when I came here. It wasn't as traumatic. Like I don't think about it anymore. Um, uh-huh. Is it still is it still kind of present for you? Is it yeah? Still- it still comes back really quick. My mom has it really strong, so like um, when I get yelled at, which is every day, yeah, like it still comes back like really strong. Right. So and I go back, you know, two three times a year, and then if I need need to put it on, I can put it on. Yeah, if yeah. I, if yeah, I have yeah. to, it's it's pretty easy. Why didn't she fight for the UK? Um, because I just uh, I was playing soccer, basketball, and fencing. Um, and one of the coaches said you should get an American passport. Um, I was like, okay, cool. So my mom applied for it. I got one. I had British and American. And I just kind of just naturally just started fencing for USA. Just, you know, doing it. Nothing would be like this. And um, when I started getting good, I kind of made my first national team. And um, the UK was like, well, fence for us. I was like, okay. And then it was like, it's a two-year ban. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. So then I just said no. And then I kind of just took off with it. And now they still want me to for them too oh they do yeah, especially now they, but you know, i'm not gonna change countries what not, not at this point i mean do you do you feel more american or do you feel more new york i think there's many british things that i i think like i'm very european i think in a way like pretty open i think my sense of humor i think too like it's very dry you know here and like in london it's so blunt i think that's something too that i have to get used to but i think i'm i, I think i'm a very american but also very British. I didn't answer your question at all. No, but that's kind of the, that's the new, I think it only benefits if you can kind of mix both nowadays. Yeah. You know, I think, I think like adaptability is the most important trait that anyone can have in yeah. this day and age. And I'm able to be put in any situation and be fine. Which and is, thrive, right? Exactly. It doesn't matter if you're in like Shanghai for the Grand Prix or whether you're in Havana or wherever you're. I think that's my, I think that's honestly like my probably best characteristics able to kind of click with people from, any country, you know? Right. That's kind of what I love to do. Meet people, talk to them. I want to learn as much languages as I can. That and fencing. Um, so how did you start with fencing? So uh, I actually got into trouble, mm-hmm. surprising. When what I were was, you doing? I was just talking so much trash. Like I was just like making fun of my teacher. I was like just like doing such stupid things. Like, was this was this early on? Like, this like it, So this was like, kind like of part of the adjustment like, period, I guess, psychologists yeah, would like, say? It's like, exactly. Mom was adjusting to his life. So I was like 10 years old, getting in trouble every day. I was that kid who like everyone loved. The teachers hated, but the principal loved me. So I was like, I was in the principal's office every day. We're hanging out. Um, like I made four, four teachers leave my in seventh grade. I was just such a bad kid. I don't know why. Just terrible. Just wilding out. And then it made me stay after school one day. And um, fencing was offered as like a disciplinary, like just another extracurricular activity. I was yeah. like, cool. I picked it up. I was fooling around with a sword. Every kid loves swords, right? I was like, oh, sweet. There's a kid and kids. With it. This, is, this is sweet. So then um, the, the teacher was like, oh, Miles, you're really good. I was like, what, what the hell do you know? I was like, it's like two seconds of this. And um, so like, no, come to the club and just try it out. So I tried it out. And... Um, 
I was good right away. And um, then I entered the competition. I won it. I entered the national. I won that too. It's all within like three, four months. And what, then what? Sorry, how do you how do you go from from zero to a hundred like that? I honestly don't. I just picked it up and I like picked it up and I was like, it's like picking up a sword. You just feel like super powerful, right, you know? Right. And I just, I don't even know how, but like within four months, I was like kicking these guys for three years. But so, was it? Were you already tall back then? Because you're what six three now? Six four, yeah. Six four now. Yeah. So I mean, was I wasn't. The height advantage, I didn't get that tall till sixteen. I was like tiny. Like I was like, like like, I can't say that, but like I was like really skinny. I was, right. <laughs> I was something else. Anorexic. No, like one of those kids on TV. But I was like right. super duper, like just frail, like yeah. small body. Um, and then like fifteen, sixteen, I started to get a little bit bigger. And then I entered the Junior Olympics. At fourteen, I won that, and I was like, "Was it? Was this? Damn. So like, fencing kind of took over a bit of your after school life for sure. But then, at one point, did it become an obsession for you? I think fourteen, and also like the funny part is like, when I was fencing, I started to get into less trouble. So like, I just it naturally make made me. It was like naturally my drug. So like, they made me take these uh, what those pills for ADHD. Whatever, um, like someone's like meditate and like yeah. Adderall and Adderall, yeah. And I took one one day and I couldn't get, I couldn't stand up. I was like, I was like a zombie. I was like, this is bad. I was like, no, I'll keep taking it. I was like, no. So I fought with them. I was like, I'm not taking it. And then I was fencing for like you know three four weeks and I slowly started to get less trouble here, less trouble here. And then I kind of was like, wow, this is like a sport that's you know changing my life actually. Like at like 14, I kind of realized that. And then at 15, 16, I took it seriously. And then I was getting recruited by all those colleges. I was like, this is something that I can, that can do. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, uh, when, you, when, you, uh, when you were fighting, what, what kind of, you know, did you develop a style pretty early on? Or was it, I mean, do you feel like you, you, had, to, you had a lot of catch-up to play with, with these kids? Yeah, I think um, I had a style. I was very unconventional at like 14 years old. I kind of just... Um, I was not very, like, traditional. You know, people was, like, very traditional, very slow. I was kind of very aggressive. I kind of liked to do crazy moves. I was kind of big with all my actions. Um, and I think that's something that people respected because I didn't really want to be like anyone in that um, in that sport. I didn't have any idols in fencing. I didn't want to be like anyone. Um, I just kind of want to be different. How I, were you, Who were your role models then in the uh, sporting world? Um... Like in any sport, yeah. Uh, Michael Johnson, um, actually, funny story. His son's a big fan of mine. His son's a fencer, which is pretty sick. Um, David Beckham and Thierry Henry, soccer right. players. Yeah, right, right. They're like, right. I grew up with them. So like, that's kind of what I wanted to be. And I was kind of like that guy who went from soccer practice to fencing practice to basketball practice. Right. Um, but yeah, I didn't really have any role models in fencing, which is like very rare. Well, I think that what I think that's. You know, so much of what we hear in the run-up to the Olympics is about how obsessed people are um, or how obsessed athletes are with their regime. And, you know, you just you think about the, the, the girls' gymnastics team and, you know, and figure skaters and, and stuff like that. And just kind of the sacrifice for the ultimate goal, the sacrifice for the 10 seconds of the 100 meters or yeah. however long they're running it. Um, with you, it seems to be a bit of that, yes, but you have to balance it out with something else, which I think is a little bit unique. 
Uh, would you say you're you're kind of different in 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 the fencing world in that respect? Yeah, I think I'm like extremely different. I think like I'm like probably the furthest thing from that world. Um, Describe that world. I mean, it's very like a lot of kids will will say, well, let's start from when you know you're young. Like a normal sport, you go to school, fencing, go home, homework, right? And then it's like when you get to college, it's school, fencing, uh, some you know extra extracurricular activity. And then when you're done college, it's like well, now what do you do? So some kids will do okay, I'll I'll work and fence, which is like technically fencing, you know, it's professional sports. So how are you going to do two things at once? So for me, I was like, well, I'm going to just do one. I'm going to make myself a living. But, oh, like, you know, how are you going to do this? I'm going to watch. And now people can see, okay, Miles is making a good living for himself by dedicating himself to fencing. And I think, like, kids and parents... But how do you do that, especially for an obscure sport like that? You got to just be nuts like me. No, you got to <laughs> just... You gotta, honestly, I thought you got to just want it more than anyone else. Like, people said, you can't do this. You can't make a living out of this. Honestly. You know, people told me this, and now I see myself with all these sponsors like Red Bull, just putting a different face to the sport. And I think parents can see their kids and say, "Okay, let's put this money to my my son or daughter if he can end up like Miles somehow." You know, like making money for something he loves to do. And I think it's only niche in America. It's not niche in Europe or Asia. How do you convince a potential sponsor? What do you say to them? Do you do you I just say or I just you? put I'm just like give me f- five minutes with you and I'll, and I'll tell you that's all I say. So what do you, what it is what is it is it about you is it about the potential growth of the sport like I think um my I think my personality I think too and I think when you first connotation of a fencer it's not me and I walk into a room it's not me I think that kind of just ready you know turns some heads and I think my personality and I think what I've done. And where I've seen the sport when I started to where it is now, I think people can see the growth and they can see the potential. So I think talking, I think face-to-face is, is where I'm most you know, successful. And I think a lot of brands who I've ever sat in a room with, they haven't said no or haven't had my back or you know, believed in me. Do you think, uh, you know, we're, I've been reading a lot about Olympic runners and, you know, the the resentment they feel towards U.S. track and field for not supporting them in the three years, let's say, after the Olympics, right? Uh, do, do you see that as an issue, the kind of the financial structure and the support of Olympic athletes? 100%. 100%. And people got mad when Dwayne Wade said Olympic athletes should get paid, right? Well, he said basketball players, which is a little crazy. But <laughs> in a way, like, why shouldn't Olympic athletes get paid, right? Why shouldn't college athletes get paid? You don't see a college athlete like a normal college student, right? Goes, well, they get paid in scholarships. Yeah, but like when they're doing all these press conferences, they're waking up at 5 a.m. to go training. You know, like these things, obviously it's it's a luxury, it's a gift too, but I think they're putting in f- four times as much work as a normal student. And I think as an Olympic athlete, every four years is like your ticket. You know, it's like in those three of the years, what do you do? And they don't really set you up. Or like, I mean, I, I don't think the USOC does a really good job of helping out the athletes when they're not in their season. Because most Olympic athletes, that's all they have. Right. You know, like for me, I have world championships and Grand Prix, but like most athletes, that's all they have. And like they don't do anything to really help them out. So when he went there and, um, you know, obviously all this build up uh, going to a massive event, this is the biggest, this is the pinnacle uh, event in your sport. Um do you go in 
to the opening ceremonies with with joy? Do you go in with uh, a degree of nervousness? Um, how do you how do you how's your mind frame when you go in there? Your mindset. Um, I think for me, uh, it's my second Olympics, so I kind of came into this way a little bit differently. I was like, okay, I've been here before. Let's enjoy the experience. Let's meet new people, and I kind of wanted to go into it as the clear headspace and not really think too much about my competition. That was two days after, so pretty soon after. Um, I kind of went in there, had a good time, enjoyed the experience. Um, kind are, of just, are these are these like you know NBC athletes, for lack of a better word? Uh, are they accessible? Are they like roped off in their own little elite unit? Uh, How much intermingling <laughs> is there? For me, I'm pretty. I mean, for me, I go up to anyone. But I know people like I'll go up to Carmel and say, "Hey, man, what's up? How you doing?" Um, you know, I took a picture with Serena. For me, it's like I'm pretty approachable. Um, but for me, I don't really care who you are. If you're a good person, I'll talk to you. If not, I don't really care. Um, but yeah, I met some great people. Met some awesome people who I think I'll keep in contact with after the Olympics. But there are a lot of people who are kind of in that bubble. But um, doesn't really bother me at all. Yeah, I imagine the women's gymnastics team is is has got you know a coterie of security around them, <laughs> and you can't even see them because they're so small. They're small. I mean, what's cool about them is like I was in the cafeteria uh, getting hot chocolate, and uh, someone Biles asked me for a picture, and I was like, "That's kind of a big deal, man." I like, mean, she was like, "I'm fanning out about you." And I was like, "What?" I was like, "All right, I respect you because you're." You know, she's killing it. Uh, you got to be worried. You got to be careful with that one. She seems to be on the hunt. Yeah, I mean, she's seventeen. I yeah. mean, I'm not really. She's a nice person, that's all I can say. And she's a sick athlete. Like that girl's unreal. Um, it's kind of cool to see like people from all different types of sports that are highest level really appreciating what I do, which is super nice. Um, she's probably the highest person at the Olympics that I ever think, besides Michael Phelps, that really had the most exposure, and so that was really awesome for her. Um, and I talked to all those gymnastics girls. Um, they're great girls. I mean, they're young. Allie's the oldest one, 23. But yeah. they're like, one of them's like 16. So I get why they have like babysitters, what they call them. Um, because, you know, there are a lot of creeps. There are a lot of creeps. So I, I, I understand why there's like babysitters for them. Right, right. <laughs> and they're and, tiny too. And do you, who did you walk in behind? Who who was the United States in the opening ceremonies? In other words, is there is there, do you say hi to the, countries going out in front of you or behind uh, you well it's kind of fun experience this was the first time we've ever been as estados unidos because normally they do united states of america right so we were e so we were really quick normally we we're like the last person so uh i think we we're maybe estonia was in front of us i forget who yeah i think it's, it's a pretty good memory yeah and they're gorgeous estonians like blonde hair blue eyes are beautiful um but i remember i was next to like i was here on like a diagonal phelps is right there and then the water polo team is right next to me right so i was right in the front again Phelps is a nice fella. Nice guy, man. Really? Great, yeah. I, nice guy to me. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I just said hi and bye. I didn't really talk to him about his life. But he's got a little cute kid. Yeah. Um, I think he's kind of over now. He's got a family and kids. I think he's kind of like, I'm done. But he's, I bet he's not done. I'm just going to keep crushing it in the pool as long as they'll have me in the pool. Yeah. With him. He's an animal. It's kind of insane when you, when you witness that level of performance. Um, is that inspirational? Very. I mean, he's very, he's someone who's like, I think I read a story, like, he was like ADHD growing up too, like, very similar to me, and um, apparently I heard that, like, he just started really training, like, last four years, that's what I heard. He's just naturally talented, and I think his work ethic is something that every athlete can take, because he's the best. He, whatever, he, he doesn't even talk trash ever, he kind of just does what he wants to do, and I think that's why people kind of just, everyone, like, 
we did the VMAs, he like did the gave an award. Everyone just stood up and started chanting USA. So I think that's amazing. I think he's he's really put. I say he's really put Olympic athletes on the on the on the uh, highest level. And sports like fencing, are they? I mean, you're obviously the outside outsized personality in that sport uh, uh, within the United States as well as globally. I'd say um, one would say. <laughs> I think we're, I think we can get away with saying that. Uh, how do you uh, do, do? Do people recognize you because you're a fencer? Or are you? Do you feel? You know, some of the things we we talk about when we when we talk about you is you know you bringing fencing into the mainstream. Do you see that reflected in in the in the Olympics in your interactions with folks? I do actually a lot. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Like everywhere I was going, people knew who I was from random countries to like not random countries but smaller countries to. Um, African countries to like Bulgaria. It was kind of crazy. And like every little, like, you know, like BuzzFeed and all these people do is like Hot Olympians, whatever. I was on every single one of those. Uh, every single one, I was kind of was probably one Which of the highest proud covered. Of. Yeah, for sure. I, I work out a lot. I, I, think, I think it might have been on your Instagram feed. It was. You had to put the one of them up. I want to put like five of them up. But uh, yeah, I think I was actually very known in the Olympics, which is kind of crazy from every sport. Everyone knew who I was, which is kind of awesome. So did that up the pressure on you, or did that make you more relaxed? Um, I don't think I have anything to prove anyway. I think I kind of just wanted to approach this Olympics differently and have more fun with it, not think too much about you have to win, you have to win, because then you don't win. Um, but I kind of just, I had a good time this Olympics. I had a very good time. That's great. Yeah. I really want to ask you about some like distractions and all the, the, the hijinks you could get up into Rio. But um, I want to first start with uh, with your individual bouts, which didn't go as planned. Yeah. So uh, I lost to the guy that I beat in the final world championship two years ago. Um, great fencer. I normally have a very good outcome with him. Um, but he got the best of me. I think I was a little too timid. Uh, I was kind of not tense. I kind of wasn't really myself, which is kind of frustrating because I knew what I needed to do. I think my coach's plan wasn't uh, the best one. I kind of followed his lead, but you know, I lost. Um, so I kind of just was very bummed, but then I realized that you know I, had a, I was lucky enough to have a second chance, and that's when I kind of went to back to really miles in the team event. In the individual bouts, uh, when were they? They were on the Monday almost or something, I want to say. Yeah, so they were on the 7th. And the team was the twelfth, so five day right. break. Five day break. Yes. Um, immediately after the individual bout, what'd you do? Uh, I kind of went home, went to the. I watched the rest of my teammates. Like, you know, sucks to watch people still in. We have to do it. Um, <laughs> Why do you have to do it? Because they're just like your teammates. You know, I'm not gonna be like that sore loser. You know, right? You want to watch them, cheer them on. Uh, as much as you want to be there, you have to. You know, it's their time. Uh, so watch them, and then when we went back to the room. Decompress it a little bit, and it's like, just kind of F it. You lost, get ready for team event. You know, I think the the best quote that someone from one of my friends sent me was, uh, the best athletes have the shortest memory. Right. So if you win, you you win, you win, you lose, you lose. When you're done right. your career, then you can think about it all. So that's when I was like, you know what? I got another chance to be an Olympic champion, so let's go for it. And I think that was when I went into the team event just so hungry, and I was like, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to be me, and that's what I did. Did you change anything in your preparation in the days leading up? Um, No, but I kind of just, I stuck to my own routine. I wanted to train when I wanted to train. I didn't do extra work. I didn't do, kind of just did what I wanted to do. Uh, worked out a lot. Kind of kept the same routine I had back home. Worked out a lot. And um, just, I try to imagine, like, me being in New York City. 
going to the gym, going fencing, going physical therapy, keeping the same little. Why does that help? Just because you like, just makes it more normal, more comfortable. It's your comfort zone. Yeah, um, there's so many distractions at the Olympics, girls, as media, as this and that. So you kind of just want to just stay in your room as much as you can. Is that what you do? Is that how you? Is that how you separate? Is that the only way you can really separate no, yourself from? That's all not that? what I do. I mean, I'm Miles. I like to meet people, talk to people. Right. Uh, I enjoy making relationships and. Uh, yeah, I mean, flirting is not going to hurt you. I mean, I feel like people only need to be focused. Like, how is that going to mess my performance up when I'm fencing? I'm going to be thinking about the girl like when I'm fencing. No, right. I don't believe in that at all. Right. So I kind of had fun. Went but, to Copacabana, you know, had to good dinners, enjoyed myself. Do you go out to clubs there and stuff? After you compete, you do. Okay. But before I don't, no. Okay. So you just go out, you have good dinners. Yeah, good dinners. We have a glass of wine with your meat because Brazilian meat is amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good dinners. Keep it normal. Like, it's the Olympics. It's nothing like... Have a nice never chat. Seen before. Practice your Portuguese. Practice my Portuguese. Yeah, uh, which must be amazing. <laughs> now, I got a very good, like, 10-word vocab. 10-word vocab. 10-word vocab rotation. That's amazing. Uh, but, yeah. and then I, I imagine, by the way, for you, it's it, this is this is part of the healing process. Yes. Right? I it mean, is. the worst thing for you would be to... You know this thing that you that you wanted that was taken away from you because it didn't work out. That you go into a hole and yeah. you never crawl out. Exactly, but that's not me, right? So I knew I felt great the whole tournament. You know, I pissed I didn't win the individual, but I knew like I was still I took some positive out of it. Is there know? still like that feeling? Man, screw it. I'm still at the Olympics. Well, yeah, you have to realize, like, you're at the Olympics, but I'm so hard on myself. It's like, whatever. But you got to realize, like, it's such a privilege to be there that you don't really take time to sink it in. But, wow, I'm here. I I imagine that's something that sinks in after. Um, But I imagine that would be a good coping mechanism, too, that you're already recognized as among the best in your sport by your very presence there, you know? Exactly. And then I think once you realize that, then you can just be you and be free. Right. Which is what I did in team event, which is the best fencing probably of my life. It, it, take me through that. Um, I you show, the team event is interesting. Um, explain it a bit for for listeners who might not know it. So team event instead. So the individual is up to fifteen points, mm-hmm. and the team event is three people. You go up to five points increments. So first person will go to five, the next person goes to ten, and it's fifteen, and then ultimately you get to forty five. So for instance, you could be down twenty five, twenty one. Doesn't matter. The next the next score line will be thirty. Right. So it's okay. five point increments. So it's great about the Olympics is like if we're down ten eight, I can come back and win fifteen eight. You know, so like that's the great thing about team is like it's such a everyone's rooting for you, USA. It's just such an amazing feeling. Um I think that's why I'm very good in teams also. Um and I think um I was I think I was the strongest on our team by far, but like we're a team. So I'd love um being able to push our country to a medal. Of course, yeah, and, which is, and, and you had, um, I remember there was a, spe- was it the semifinals where you kind of shouldered the load? Because the interesting thing in the team event is that there's always kind of one fencer yeah. who who has a pivotal round. Yes, right. and I had that pivotal round in the round of, uh, the round of to make the quarterfinal. Uh, I was, I think I was plus 10. Okay, that means um, he scored 10 more points than yeah. your opponent. Mm-hmm. And then I believe in the semifinal, I was like plus 80, something crazy. I scored 29 
points out of 45. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so that was like... Uh, and what, you know, what was the trick? I think it was just like, you're, I just realized, like, I just said F it. And just, when I'm the best and I'm free. But also it's like, it's very, it's, a lot of people don't want to take risks. It's easy to stay, but like to really do it, like it's a whole other ball game. So like, if you see your opponent constantly down, you want to like run at them and flush at them, you might be like, oh, I don't want to do it. But I just did everything and everything worked. Everything worked under the sun. And for me, I think um, I can take this performance and really watch it and see why I fenced so well. Because if I fenced like that, I think I would have definitely come home with at least a medal from the individual. And I think uh, everyone, I think the mat was just so amazing. Uh, not doing just for me, but I think it was a team. Yeah. I kind of started off and kind of started to feed off of me. Yeah. And that's the great thing about team events is tricks. One person can trigger it all off. Right, right. And ultimately, we beat last Olympic champions right. in the bronze medal match, which should have been the final, honestly. And um, you think, oh my God, but like I still come home with a great bronze medal. And um, you have, you know, sour taste in your mouth, but it's kind of like those uh, sour patch kids, it's sour than sweet, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, the the uh, the the best the best athletes are able to control what they control yeah. and recognize that you know that look I'm whatever else may happen happen. Um, you battle with your emotions. Mm -hmm. You know you're a very emotional fencer. You're a very emotional man. Um, was there was there a trick that you used? Was it just um, or was it really casting caution to the wind? Kind of both casting caution to the wind, but also. My friends would just FaceTime me like, bro, you're the best. And you know, like all my friends with other sports, like, yo, dude, you're making me want to watch fencing. I was like, you know what? Thank you. So it kind of, you know, sunk into my deep downside of me. I was like, wow, like I really put this board on the map already. Now I'm just going to really have fun with it. So I think I kind of just accepted it and said, I've done enough already. But now it's just be free. <clears throat> and that's kind of why it was ultimately fence my highest level. Yeah, no, that was incredible. And the, the bronze medal match, um, for those who haven't seen it yet, it's actually really, really worthwhile viewing. It's uh it's pretty it's it it's really interesting the emotions of that. The rhythm yeah. of it is completely different than an individual bout, right? It's like it's seesawing, you know. There's it moments is. where you're where you're behind by several points, and you're like, How are you gonna how are you gonna overcome that? So it's riding that wave, yeah. I imagine. Too. And I think comebacks are the hardest things to do. Um just dig really deep inside. You have to score more than your opponent. And it's just like, but I think it was, I mean, I got like, you know, ESPN writing about, it's, I think, so it's like top fencing on that high level is so amazing. I think it's just the beginning, but I think I'm very happy that people saw it at that level. I'm very happy that everyone saw it. Yeah. I couldn't have fenced better on a, on a more important day. Yeah, no, fantastic. <laughs> and And how was the release? So good. I mean, you're like, Okay, now you have Olympic medal in your in your you know in your medal case. Now you can kind of I'm world champion. I don't really have anything else to prove. I think now I think this is when you start to really just you're free. Like you don't have to prove anything. Yeah. Prove so it. what are you gonna? Yeah. What are the lessons? That's interesting. What are you gonna take with you going forward? Now it's just now it's like you have nothing to prove. So I think it's just like what do you want to fulfill? I think now it's like I'm gonna be fencing my best because I don't have to. Uh, there's no extra pressure. There's no extra yeah. pressure. Yeah. I mean, that's when I'm at my best. Yeah. So I'm only starting my career now. It's amazing. That's a really interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. Do you feel different since winning the bronze? A little bit. Yeah. I feel like you get a respect level where, like, to get an Olympic medal is is one thing, but, like, to really earn it 
because you win a medal, you win it, you're Olympic champion, you get silver and you win bronze. You know, you have to fight for bronze. Yeah. So I think it's different. It's a really different feeling. Yeah. So I feel like we really earn this medal. I have to say the the uh and and we should point out that you have the medal um here on the table uh, uh first name James fished out the uh very lovely uh, tablecloth to place underneath it. It's in a beautiful burnished wood box with the Rio logo engraved on it. With a swivel open. Look at with this. a swivel open. So you just Let's do this. See, it's inlaid. Wow. You know that's it's nice. You know it's nice looking, and and I have to say this: uh, in in America during the Olympics, we are so inundated with gold medals, yeah. right, to the point where they're almost disposable. Yeah, as ridiculous as that sounds, as as amazing as these individual achievements are for these athletes, and as mm-hmm. much as they work for it, and NBC does a really amazing job of pimping them up like that. Yeah, but it's it's. It, it, it was happening with such frequency. The yeah. the, the medal, you know, there's all this like kind of rush for like, how many medals did we get today? How many golds did we get today? Oh, well, this person only got, you know, there's this horrible headline where, you know, uh, Phelps uh, only wins, uh, Phelps manages silver. And then the second headline was Katie Ledecky sets world record in 800 meter to win gold, you know? And you're just kind of like, not only is it like gender, like gender <laughs> yeah. based, not it's it's gold and it's metal based, you know? You don't realize that like, well, this is the first medal in like, I don't know, 100 and something years from my, so I think that's crazy. You itself. mean for men's fencing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, like 18, something crazy like that. And I was like, that is crazy, but you wouldn't understand it because you know so many other headlines. But I think now I'm able to really do stuff like this and really tell people, man, that was a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think they'll get it. They'll get it. It just takes time. But uh, I think I'm in a good place now where um, everyone will know me and they will know what fencing is. That sounds like a promise. It's a. It's a it's a pinky swear it's a you kiss one thumb i kiss the other thumb and we do that thing together we do that thing together yeah. that's right we didn't actually do it but um <laughs> but he he mimed it so that we and now i know how to do it yep. when we go forward so uh so what are the next steps for you miles chamley watson bronze medalist in the olympic games former world champion that sounds very good thank you good introduction uh for me i think now i'm, I'm gonna enjoy this i'm gonna travel i'm gonna see my friends see my family um, and I'm gonna get back to the drawing board. Come on here, figure out a plan for the next four years because it goes fast, man. And yeah. then kind of figure out how we're gonna peak next four years and head into Tokyo with a gold medal. So that's kind of uh, where I'm at. But I'm so excited for the future. I think we've got great things going. What do you think of the um, future of fencing following the success and, and following your own kind of, you know, what, what you were able to uh, see from your friends, everyone sending messages, uh, athletes knowing you from all around the world? I think that just shows that it's possible that we can get the sport from niche to mainstream. Right. Uh, no offense to bowling, but I think it's very possible that bowling is on ESPN. And I think, why not have fencing? I don't right? understand that either. So I love bowling. Yeah. Um, but I think if we're going to bowling on them, there's, there's a potential for us to have fencing on there. Yeah. Because if you really understand it, I think, I do agree that to understand it is a little bit difficult, but there's ways to help viewers understand it. I think that's my next goal is to find a way to make it more understandable to viewers. Right. So, right. Um, yeah, I think it's very possible for it to be mainstream. Um, 
I, I still think it would be great if they rolled in like the Pirates of the Caribbean set and you guys fought on that. Dude, or you take away our ships and you just whoever falls, falls in lava. You know, or like something. Think about it like this. It okay. started as First Blood. Right. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. you sharpen up these tips a little bit. <laughs> you Maybe know? get 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 rid of this like electronic huda like you know this little who's it what's it who would not watch like, like you got a sword now you can call it a real sword yeah I got a sword yeah like UFC yeah think about it like UFC has been around but UFC is now last like I don't know five years it's starting to explode that's combat sport that's you true. know and like, look at UFC it's amazing it, how, that's just now becoming like a mainstream sport yeah so. We got a few, you know. There's tweaks. I'm just saying we yeah. don't need to rehaul the sport. I'm just saying let's introduce some new settings. There's let's make it like Street Fighter, where you know you can pick dude. where what the setting is in the background. Like That'll maybe you're in a sick. Japanese dockyard, you know. Maybe you're you're in a Russian like industrial landscape, you know. That's what I'm talking. You might have it, but let's just make sure no one takes our ideas. That's but, true. Uh, it's copyrighted, by the way. Yeah, trademarked. Um, First name, why don't you file that patent application? Yeah. It's taken care um, of it. Go ahead. <laughs> but I think it's very, it's right there. It's like right on the edge. Mm. So I think it's my goal to push it over. Mm. And really, I think we're there. You know, I think um, you take F1 racing. First person I think of Lewis Hamilton. And he's kind of pushing that sport that's, Incredible sport to mainstream. Now people watch it. People didn't really care about you going around laps and laps. Like, right. But now you really see the art form of how hard F1 really is. They're seeing a little car, it's a little like joystick. Is a, it's so hard. We just think, oh, it's easy. I'm just going to go fast and turn. It's not. So I'll find a way, but I think it's very close to being, it's, it's there. I'll make it mainstream. Excellent. I will. I think, uh, I think we're good. I think we're good. Are we good? That's Melissa, great. by the way. Oh, hey, girl. <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, man, thanks for coming by Dude, again. I'll come back what, again. Next so, week. Uh, so how? <coughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know. Oh, wait a minute. How did you celebrate? I knew. Monster? I was new after this. Well, as you can tell, there's a little bit of dance on my metal. Okay, let's. Uh, um, it's a pain in the butt to put it back in there. By the way, I'm not um, taking it out. Is there a dent? I just see a slight it's not a dent. nick. It's not a oh. dent. It's like a little neck and cranny because you, I wore it out once in Brazil um, with security, of course. But uh, Really with security? Oh, you kidding me? Of course. Are you serious? I'm very serious. So how did you guys move around as athletes in, in, the, in the regular city? Um, well, it depends on where you go. Like, I literally had my own thing. Thanks, shout out to Teresa. My homegirl, uh, she got me security where I went, literally. Because, uh, dude, you never know. I mean, Brazil's, right. by the way, Brazil's one of my favorite places I've been. First time I ever went. Um, it's just, like, not necessarily, like, you have to worry about like, getting mugged. It's just, like, it's, you know, so just the young kids here and there. It's just, like, you know, like, in, 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 in another country. And I'm having a medal around my neck. Um, but I celebrated hard. Hard. Thank you to the Hotel Fazano for that. Um... Hotel Fazano, shout out. Everyone needs to go there. Everyone needs be- to go there. Copacabana, beautiful. It was like a roof deck party scenario. Exactly. Nice. And you can see Copacabana. Oh, no, actually, sorry. It was in Ipanema. Okay. But you can, it's like right next to Copacabana. But it's like beautiful. Great drinks, great people. Brazilian people are some of my favorite people. Amazing people. Oh, 
Um, great food. We had like steak, wine. Oh my god! So uh, I read an article on all of the houses and the Olympics I went to was in 2004, and back then the like the hot house to check out was the Dutch house. You know, um, <laughs> it's the same. It's the same. <clears throat> so so are the houses the spots to go party, or is it more the hotels, the private parties, whatever? It's. I mean, the houses. I think. Well, because like the hotels, you get athletes and you also get like normals locals and tourists so it depends on what you're in for but this year the dutch house is incredible it was also called the heineken house yes it was sick oh wait, tell me you take me through it they just like you walk in you sign in um if you don't know anyone uh and then you kind of go in it's like huge ballroom like our, for instance here let me let me retreat a little bit the usa house yeah amazing house but it was strictly pretty much like c- celebrating your medal with like your family um, doing some press stuff upstairs and kind of eating food. So it wasn't really like a party. It was you know? utilitarian. Exactly. They did a great job with that. Just a different vibe. Um, but then, like, you go to the Heineken house, and it's, like, strictly, like, we're going to show you guys why we're the best house. And they have, like, amazing speakers, amazing music performers. The Great Britain house was sick, too. Um, French house was apparently very popular. <laughs> yes. Sorry, you just your face made this kind of, like, breaking no, look. Like, I, you're had a, like oh. I had so many... The thing is, I had so many fun times at the French house, but the French, I remember because like the VIP in the back was right by the speaker and my ear, and I'll never forget that. Like it was, it was like so loud, but the French can party. The French can party. It was like a warehouse. Uh-huh. Like, and it's like Oh, they a, took it? over a warehouse and like redid it from the inside. It was, it was in like the I, French embassy or something. It was called Pasha, which they oh. have, they have in New York City. Okay. So and they went. So, so yeah. yeah. So they called it. That was it. They called it French House. Yeah. But what was cool about the French House was it was like it had like your touristy stuff like for French athletes, your French hospitality. But in the same little circle was also in the club. And the ladies there are they all athletes from other countries? Uh yeah. Pretty yeah. much, it's like probably eighty-five percent athletes, and then like you get the people who are from Brazil, and then that's it. But it is amazing that vibe in that room was just the testosterone the the whole charge it's, must be palpable everyone's dancing like the one yeah it's like, <laughs> like they're on that yeah, was crazy i had a sick time um i remember four years ago the new zealand women's hockey team was quite fetching they're uh, very cute very cute is there a all-time very beautiful to dutch field hockey team again still still i mean they're like the coolest team they're like banging on the table and they're eating and there's like standing on chairs they're just like a fun team yeah, yeah. i never get this because the first day i walked in there we yeah. got a usa olympic team polo hoodie but that was orange green orange green jesus christ orange mm-hmm. and their colors are orange yeah so i walk in the dining hall and I go hey orange man come sit with me i'm like what so literally walked the first day i'm at one of them in london she said come sit with us orange man what they called me yeah i sat in the front of the like it was like these 12 chairs like this kind of parallel each other and I sat here and I talked to them for two hours. Like, you know, it's like that's how they are. Super and then cool. obviously I was like, yeah, let's exchange some clothes. You know, let's hang out. And they were... Wanted to hang out. Yeah. And they got silver. Congrats. Congrats. Shout out to the Dutch <laughs> women's field hockey they're, team. This is a fun team. Like, it's a fun team. Well, uh, maybe there is something between... I mean, you... you, uh, you 
you just you discovered it with your own process. Maybe it's yeah. if you're having fun, if you're letting loose, then the chances of success rise. I think so because they're literally everyone hates them because they're literally having fun, but they're backing it up. They're dominating. They're dumb. They won Beijing and London. Yikes! And they got th- second here. So swimmers, swimmers seem just like such a weird, rare breed of I don't really human being. I can't really comment on them because I don't really know. Okay. Yeah. Any. You can speculate though. You I met Connor copy. Dwyer. He's a nice guy. Okay. Um, it's the only person I can really meet. Right. And Phelps for like two minutes. But, but like, those folks are like, you know, they their whole life has been waking up at four thirty in the morning. Yeah. I think they're just over it, or like they're just so mentally exhausted, they're like they just don't even know how to <laughs> process like talking because they're just so into their workout. You know, it's pretty good actually. It's good. That's good. That doesn't sound like uh, it's not Eddie. bad at all. It's just like they work so hard that at yeah. like twelve years old, they wake up at four thirty. I know. I imagine you would have a tough time talking <coughs> to someone like that, though. Yeah, I need some some spice. Something, right? Brazilian athletes must have been stoked, huh? Yeah, soccer team—they're gorgeous too. Really? Oh. The Brazilian soccer team, huh? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wow, you got a little hangdog look on here. Like they're just like- a beautiful people. Yeah, yeah. You didn't you know? just leave gold in Rio. You left your heart. <laughs> I literally need to go back there and find my heart. It's like somewhere. It's somewhere stashed in the hotel Fasano. Yeah. Right behind the steak platter. 413. And, uh, yeah, it's stuck in there somewhere. I need to get it back. Okay. I actually need to go back. I'm sure you will. <laughs> I'm going to let you go. Love you. Right back at you, man. Thank you so much, dude. One, two, three, hey, for real, though, that guy is always, always a great time. Uh, Miles Chamley Watson, thank you for coming in, for showing us your bronze medal. That's not a euphemism for anything. He actually had the bronze medal on the table here uh, that we shared. Uh, you've been listening to the Red Bulletin podcast. You've been listening to us maybe on iTunes. But we're also on Acast, our hosting pod platform. And please head on over to redbulletin.com. Lots of good stories over there. Lots of good images, words, videos. And, of course, an archive of all of the podcasts up until this point. See you next time.